0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. It's time now for the Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lintonello. Good
1: morning
2: Bu-giorno, everybody. Buongiorno. <laughs> Buongiorno. Highest top blue, Mr. mountain. <laughs> uh, I've got my frosty Dr. Pepper in hand. Um, I'm just ready, ready for you. I am ready for you. You know, oh, I can just tell. You know, you're, you're in one of those rare moods this morning. You're actually full of energy. <laughs> Well I, I, I just finished my usual, you know, one of many several cups of Irish breakfast tea that I have every morning, which I absolutely love. And uh, if you really want some good Irish breakfast tea, get Barry's. It, it's obviously from Ireland and it's absolutely the best. So so Yeah. Gives me gives me a good shot of energy. Feel good. Do you drink that with your pinky finger? Uh, yes Of course Uh, See, I thought, I thought so (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, uh, stick around around, And then you'll get some, uh, you know, sophistication rubbed off from me So stick around (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I always learn something new from you Always, you know and then you know i'm thinking about it and we have a uh, an event coming up this week and uh geez, we can be stuck in the car with one another for quite some time i what think it's 12 hours <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, be 12 hours in the mini cooper <laughs> with you oh my god <laughs> it's going to be epic it's going to be an epic road trip folks <laughs> Uh, yeah. To, uh off. door fire. Right. Uh, It'll be fun. The AACA Grand National. Looking forward to it. And especially Friday's event, which is the Zenith Award. What did we got? 16 cars this year? Yeah. That's going to take yeah. like 16. six hours to judge. You know, um, I'm right at. 200 credits in AACA and, you know, like you've judged elsewhere and done a lot of judging over the years and the most I would say that most judging is not what I call stressful it's all enjoyable but the Zenith Award judging is so intense you know, it there's so many factors involved in adequately judging each car fairly and, you know, placing them in competition against one another. And, and you're really splitting hairs on these cars because they're all, you know, I mean, I'm not knowledgeable in terms of exactly how what the scores are these cars have received in AACA, but a 400 point car is a perfect car in terms of its restoration and so forth. Um, So the cars that are there, you know, they're hundred, probably 395 point-plus cars. First of all, they would have never been nominated if their restoration wasn't over the top. In other words, you know, everything done, all the details, everything done correctly, all of those things. But then beyond that, when you have, All those cars that are nearing or at 400 points in AACA, you know, how do you pick a winner amongst those? And that's part of the reason why we say, you know, every one of these cars that are nominated are really winners. But to choose a Zenith Award winner, uh, which represents the finest restoration of the year um, and the runner-up, it just wears you out seriously, because you're really working hard for that last detail. You know what i mean, saying? Yeah? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it goes beyond just perfection. We're looking for more than perfection. Uh, a big thing that plays into whether a car wins or not is the difficulty of the restoration. You know, uh, you have a catalog car which is like, you know, let's say a Mustang, Camaro, Chevelle. You can open up a catalog and buy any part you need and get it delivered to your door in 24 hours. But if you're restoring uh, a locomobile or you're restoring a case or something, you know, a DuPont, there are no parts out there. Whatever's available, you know, you have to rebuild or restore, but in many cases, you have to have parts machined or manufactured. No. So that's... That that feeds into the difficulty of the restoration.
0: Let me uh, ask you something. I, as you're judging... What's that? Let me ask you something. As you're judging, are you looking for positive or are you looking for negative? The one little
2: blip that makes,
0: makes it negative or the yeah. one thing that makes it outstanding? It's both. It's both. both,
2: just like Rich said. It's both. Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at the quality of the paintwork. You look if there's any sand scratches below the paint, uh, you know, quality of the chrome. Uh, but you're also looking at, you know, the fit and finish, the gaps, uh, the finish on the underside. Uh, you're looking to see if the correct fastenings are used and no modern jubilee clips or anything like that. Uh, and then you stand back. You stand back 20 feet and you observe the car from a distance, which is very important. But, you know, the difficulty of the restoration factors in big time. It really does. That's important. It's it, it, it's certainly, a, you know, a, a substantial component. And that's not to say that, you know, a 68 Camaro couldn't win. It, it could. Um, sure. Particularly with these certain, certain details like... Um, Under the hood, you know, there were several different finishes, even though black, in other words, um, you know, the firewall was different from the um, radiator core support in terms of the finish. There's various things that really would make the car stand out. In other words, if someone were were to do everything correctly, meaning they would uh, correct some of the most frequent mistakes that people make when they're restoring those cars you know it would have have a heck of a an opportunity to win so it's really all about you know the detail and doing it well and then of course you know there's a sort of a concourse component to the zenith judging and uh, you know that's part of what rich was talking about when he's talking about looking at at it from 20-25 feet away but you know Color combinations, all of those uh, things—you know—there are a lot of things that you can't quantify that go into that decision. And you know, the teams—we don't always agree at the end. We deliberate, uh, it's like we're choosing the pope or something, because really, we go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. We go through and we score everything, but even once we get back into the room. We argue our points about which car is best and why, and all of those things. And so yeah, it, it's, it's quite a process, quite a process, a very fair process, I will tell you. You know, it's, it's really, uh, we've gone all out to make sure that it is a very fair, unbiased process. And I think we've done really, really well um, over the years, if I do say so myself. And, uh choosing the yeah. right cars, but yeah. We have. Uh, several years ago, we were going back and forth, and I was going back and forth with one of the other judges. There was an Auburn that was exquisitely restored. I mean, absolute perfection. And the other judge said, uh, it doesn't have the correct period 1935 spark plugs. It has modern spark plugs. And I said... Well, you just can't walk into AutoZone or O'Reilly's Auto Parts and buy 1935 Auburn spark plugs. And besides, that, that's not a permanent thing. A spark plug is easily removable. And besides, it has a cap on it, and you really can't see. I mean, this, this guy was a spark plug expert, he knew. But, uh, so sometimes you gotta, you know, take things into consideration and say, you know what? That component doesn't matter. It's a removable. It's not a fixture to the car. And besides, you can't find certain parts like a spark or 1935 that are brand new. So there are so many variables involved when judging a Zenith car. And uh, I guess each car takes about at least 20 minutes to judge with a team of, uh, what is it, about uh, five or six judges you know, we have on each team. Six, five, 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 yeah, five people five. on the team. And, yeah, uh, it's yeah, a team. Yeah, it's interesting. Process. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. We so, yeah. I'm Looking forward to it. Next Friday in Bettendorf, Iowa. Come on down, folks. The show is yeah. free. Up free. <laughs> it is free. And, uh, yeah, ho- hopefully, you know, I don't know. I can't remember. I, I think, you know, with, last year we were on the same team. Maybe I can, you know, fix that <laughs> this year. <laughs> the uh, but we do we split into two different teams one team starts on one side at one end and the other team starts at the other end and we sort of meet and pass one another in the middle and typically we we finish pretty close to usually within 15 minutes of one another each team uh but it, yeah it goes on for quite some time we we start at uh, 10 and and we have to go through and break for lunch and then we come back and generally the award is is given about 3 in the afternoon. But, but yeah, you know, what you were saying, again, just to reiterate, is standing back and looking at the car from 25 feet away, you see so many things that you don't see when you're up so close. Um, no. You know, how the, car, how the car sits. Is the ride height correct all the way around, you know? Are the springs out of whack? You know, is it stanced the way it should be? Um, You know, so many variables, and, you know, a lot of times you can see whether, you know, there's good alignment in the panels. I know we had one one year that was just exquisitely done. It was an exciting restoration. It just popped. But at 25 feet, you could look at it, and you could tell that, the bumper was slightly misaligned, and some other things that were going on. And uh, it, it magnificent car, but it just took it out of the contention uh, for winter But yeah, yeah, it's kind of a kind of kind of cool. It's it's been fun, and uh, the people have been great. The competitors. That's one thing I'll mention too. Is talk about sportsmanship. You know, when we're Judging that, you know, we've all been to car shows where somebody's gotten angry because they didn't get the award that they wanted and, you know, they stomped away and or, you know, took their trophy and chucked it into the trunk of their car and sped off and that sort of stuff. We've not had that happen with the Zenith Award. I'm, you know, all of the people have, that are there as contenders have always display the greatest sportsmanship, so... That's, that's made it good, too. But, uh, good. but anyhow, yeah. yeah. It's going to be fun. Yep, Bettendorf. We're going to be there. It's free, as Richard says. So come out on Friday for the Zenith. Come out Saturday for the Grand National. Grand National is going to be one of the best shows in the country all year long, and you won't have to spend a nickel to get in there. No, let's hope you some triumphs. Looking forward to that. <laughs> you know got to, got to oh. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I think about. I'm like, you know, gosh, if they only had more triumphs, you know. I don't know. Well, the humidity's kinda high out there. Most of them didn't survive. <laughs> no. Speaking of cars not surviving, one of the grand one of the cars uh going for the Zenith award this year is an Amphicar. And talk yeah. about cars that didn't survive. You know, people who drove them in freshwater lakes, you know, you had a good chance of surviving another 40 years. But those who drove them in softwater oh, lakes, <laughs> those cars oh, are yeah. nothing but a pile. Yeah. So that car is absolutely stunning. like too. So uh, it's going to be interesting. And that Amper car, remember, is powered by a Triumph engine. Keep that in mind. Oh, Yes, keep that in mind. The uh, Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that, because I grew up uh, on the coast. The uh, vast majority of my uh, formative years still, I, got, well, I guess we moved when I was 12 years old, but I was only a block and a half off the ocean. And so I spent a ton of time, you know, fishing, swimming, all of that stuff. But there were a number of amphicars in the area uh, down there. And as you said, uh, we're up on a heartbreak.
1: When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. If you want the truth about politics, medicine, weapons, classic cars, and more, you'll want to tune in to America's Web Radio. You can listen to all of your favorite shows live at www.americaswebradio.com or on demand on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. That's www.americaswebradio.com.
3: Call J.C. Taylor today for a competitive quote on collector car insurance give your most prized possessions the attention that they deserve, you'll receive agreed value coverage, giving you the peace of mind to know you're always protected. J.C. Taylor has been supporting the hobby with reliable service that has lasted for six decades. Call 888-ANTIQUE or visit jctaylor.com slash awr to get a quote today. That's 888-268-4783 or visit jctaylor.com slash awr Drive Through Time with Peace of Mind, JC Taylor. You're listening to
0: America's Web Radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And now back to the classic car show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello. All
2: right. And we're we're back. We were talking about amphicars and Talk about something off the beaten path. So yeah, growing up down there uh, on the East Coast, <clears throat> it's kind of funny. When I was a young kid, I remember seeing the Ampicars, being really excited about them. And then I don't know, probably you know eight nine years later, I remember seeing those same Ampicars like like little rusty piles. You know, parked behind the garage, garages and so forth. You know, they were, they were all shot because of the uh, salt water eating them up. So, yeah, you're right. Um, so you and I were talking about uh, the uh, Great Race, which is recently yep. completed not long ago, and what kind of car you would want to drive in it. So why don't you go first since you're in such a plucky mood this morning. Go, Bill. Well, you know, I'm going to shock you. Uh, no, I will not go on the great race in a, in one of my triumphs because I don't want to end up coming home from the back of a flatbed. So, I will go on the great race and take one of my all-time favorite cars that I ever owned. Are you sitting down? Uh-oh. <laughs> a board ward? I won. Past- no, uh, no. I once had a 1978 Buick Electra, and I loved that car. It was so comfortable, it handled well for its size, and uh, I can't say enough good things about it. You know, it had that beautiful dashboard, you know, that that 100% uh, real wood grain, vinyl wood, <laughs> but it oh, had yeah. those silver face. It had those silver-faced gauges, you know, uh, and just had these comfortable seats. Great vision, lots of power. And like I said, it breaks and handled well, and it was just so comfortable. So if you're going to go on a great race for however long it lasts, was it a week, 10 days, and you're putting on several thousand miles, you know what? I want to make sure you get there and back. Because it's not about the speed when you're on the great race. It, it's about navigating and getting to certain points that within a certain time period. Uh, it's like a time-distance rally. So, yeah, you got to do it in comfort. So my, my 78 Buick Electra, that's the car I would take. Love it. I wish I could find so, another one. So, So, uh, what would be an idea? I've got several cars. So, you know, I've got at least, I don't know, I think... Three that I can think of, but um, that I would that I would choose. But uh, so, Skoda? my first. A uh, Desoto. <laughs> hey, I love a good Desoto. Now, <laughs> don't you have a Skoda? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of kind of funny. Um, I have some photographs of uh, a local Desoto dealer here in Roanoke. Participating in a parade, you know, in a couple of different years, they participated in the parade where they either had a car or a small float that they sponsored, and they spelt it DeSota. D E S O T A. And uh, and it was the dealer that did that. It was so entrenched, DeSota, that they actually spelt it wrong on the float that was sponsored by the dealer. Well, it is Virginia, so you know what are you going to do? So <laughs> what caused a take on? So I, I was don't really take all thinking deck. hard about this. I a nineteen fifty Allard J two. I think that would be a blast. That would be it would you know, just get you really in touch with the road you know, you got the wind going through your hair or what's left of it, and uh, you know, you're just tearing along, you're listening to the sound of the engine and just experiencing a sensory overload as you're blasting down the road in your uh, 1950 Allard J2, and I would, most of those cars, when they were imported to the U.S., didn't have an engine or transmission in them. I think I would uh course i'd have to get a later one than a 50 or maybe we would have re-engined it a couple of times but anyhow i, I think a chrysler firepower uh hemi v8 would be great uh, powering that thing i that's that's what i would do that would be my favorite i think that would give me like i said experience all the senses and really you know bugs in your teeth and the whole nine yards I, I just I think it'd be a blast now what's really scary <laughs> I, I'm really concerned about myself because when I've come to the realization that we think alike on things it worries me so oh, yeah. I'm gonna one up I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna one up your Buick okay? 1976 Cadillac Fleetwood Talisman. Okay? I'm going to be Mr. Opulent. You know, while everybody else is sweating, driving around with bugs stuck in their teeth, uh, I'm not even going to know I'm moving. Okay? (laughs) I'm going to be piloting my sofa down the highway uh, in Air-conditioned silence in in the Fleetwood Talisman. Maybe listening to some Sinatra. <laughs> you know. <laughs> the epitome cool. of op- opulence.
1: <laughs> yeah, because, you know, the Great
2: Race, it, you know, it takes place in what June, July, and it's hot. And it goes a lot through the southern states, and it's hot. Might as well have the A.C. blasting while the schmuck over there in the convertible is, is, is you know, <laughs> getting... A, a it's unweltering. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to Chris, yeah. Anyway, I, you know, I, while they're, you know, uh, suffering from dehydration and heat stroke, I'll just wave casually as I go by, you know, while old Blue Eyes is on, on the cassette or, or uh, Dean Martin or something, you know. <laughs> Uh, the uh, and now I'll go completely to the opposite end of it and it's sort of like you know my real approach to collecting which is like all over the place I don't have a real approach that's the problem <laughs> but a Crosley station wagon I mean that would really pit man and machine against the odds wouldn't it you know, just trying to make it—I mean, actually get to your final destination before midnight would be a real challenge. You know,
1: yeah, I mean, even across getting there you know, would that, be a challenge.
2: A you know, it has well no power, but zero to sixteen in the afternoon—it takes so long. You want to be able to make those kind of distance, uh, you know, routes, and uh wow. <laughs> <laughs> that that would be a struggle yeah. Oh my god! Those, no, no, those dang. tiny little wheels, tiny little wheels, zinging along down the highway. <laughs> all the noise and the vibration. Uh, you, know, you know, those steering wheels are not isolated at all. It's sort of like driving a tractor at seventy miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, you know, years ago uh, when Heming, uh, our publisher wanted to do the great race. So, being the schmuck that he is, he went out and he bought a 1935 Ford Speedster that somebody built. And the welding was atrocious. It was almost like some components were brazed on using some cheap stick welder. It was awful. It kept breaking down. And we told him, Why'd you buy this thing? Because it looked so nice and racy. He thought <laughs> you know, be the perfect thing for a great race. I mean, like I said, he was such an idiot. It's like, this is a time-distance rally. It doesn't matter whether you're in, you know, a speedster or an MPV minivan. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so, oh, that car. Yeah. What a piece of junk. But, yeah, no, if you're going to do it, you might as well do it in comfort. So, Absolutely. That's good to hear. There you go. So, what else? Yeah. About? So, we hadn't really finished um, last week. We were talking about windshields, and of course, we were y- yammering on so much that you know we we didn't even get into it you know, towards the end of the show. But uh, you know, just just to recap a couple of things, you know, everybody, you know, the windshield's one of those neglected parts of the car, um, but yet it's really important, uh, particularly at night. Um, you, the more imperfections you have on your windshield, the more glare and difficulty you're going to have in seeing uh, at night. When low energy portion of the spectrum, uh, blue light um, at the other end of the high energy end of the spectrum, what? The what are you talking like, about? Well, you know t- what? Yeah, yeah, I know, Ooh. I know. I can't, I can't help it. It's, it's what I do for a living. So, you know, oh, no, you're no. about but the, you're, tra- tra- you're thinking about the transmission of light. Okay, it's got to go uh, through in order for you to see clearly. I'm just saying. Okay, I'm just saying. All I'm concerned about. That's it. Uh, Yeah, I'm not riding. I'm really worried because I know that we're going to be driving some portion of our trip at nighttime, (laughs) And you're going to be driving, and you're probably not paying any attention to the speed limit. And, oh, it's break time again. Gosh.
3: Since the 1960s, J.C. Taylor has been America's premier specialty insurance provider for classic cars, antique autos, modified, and custom vehicles. Our customers have trusted us to protect their prized possessions for more than six decades. For more information, or to receive a quote, contact our expert team today by calling 888-ANTIQUE, or by visiting our website at jctaylor.com slash awr. That's 888-268-4783. Or visit jctaylor.com slash awr drive through time with peace of mind j c taylor
0: start taking back our country from the liberal wokes by voting locally for conservative republicans
1: when it comes to car magazines are you tired of reading about mega dollar collector cars you can't afford or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you then crankshaft is the car magazine for you crankshaft is a 144 page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com that's www.crankshaftmagazine.com
0: you're listening to america's web radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com thank you for listening and now back to the classic car show on america's web radio with tom cox and richard lentinello all
3: right folks we have okay we
2: have tom cox our special guest from PPG, and Glass, telling us how you should clean your windshield. <laughs> Go ahead, Tom. Take it. <laughs> tell us about this blue-restriated so, light. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, folks. It was my area of study, okay? <laughs> um, yeah, and I was so. ahead, too. Yeah, head. Yeah, yeah. Well, nighttime vision is really important. Your vision is important all the time. I'll just say it, okay? And if you don't have any safety glasses and, you know, you think you can, you know, use that uh, high RPM wire wheel, you know, without any uh, protection, you're wrong because uh, you need to be wearing safety glasses, okay? Throw that in there, too, for the industry. So, anyhow, high energy into the spectrum is what's called blue is blue light. When it hits something like a little bit imperfection in the glass on your windshield, whether it's a scratch, a nick, bird crap, whatever it happens to be, it scatters. And when it scatters, that degrades the actual focus of whatever it is you're looking at. So if that happens in large scale, you know what? You're not seeing so well. Um, so you want to have that surface smooth and clean. And there's several ways to do that. Um, a real easy way, you just use soap and water and take a 4 ought, zero, zero, 0 0 steel wool and with soap and water and just clean your windshield with it. Don't bear down on it. Just, you know, rub it just like you would if it were a paper towel or rag or anything else. You know, that'll clean a lot of the little crud pieces off that you can't get off with just, you know, using Windex and a paper towel, okay, which hopefully you don't use Windex and a paper towel. But but anyhow, um, I find that the uh, blue, uh, the heavy-duty blue hand towels that you tear off, they work really, really well. Um, and you can use some Windex then. But uh, anyhow, um, that will get a lot off of your windshield. If you have scratches on your windshield or uh, spots that you can't seem to get clean, you can kind of get crazy if you want. You can go get cerium oxide and a a buffing wheel to go on the end of a drill, and you can use that cerium oxide and the buffing wheel to kind of buff out that scratch. But you don't want to be too aggressive with it because it will... Create an uneven surface in there, create a wave, so to speak, in the uh, in the glass, and so you want to do that sparingly. But they make kits for it; you can buy them. Um, Windshield wipers, really, really often ignored maintenance item. You know, you should really replace your windshield wipers annually. Annually. I know people that probably have, you know, my friend Wes Peterson, he probably still has the same windshield wipers that were on his car when he bought it. He probably never has replaced his windshield wipers, not until they come apart. But, you know, um, windshield wipers are really, really important. And, you know, you can get wipers today, and that's a problem sometimes with your vintage windshield wipers. You don't have the, uh, the choice, but if you can use a more modern blade, look for one that's made from synthetic rubber uh, with graphite with a graphite treatment in it. It'll move more smoothly across the windshield. It won't jump or skip and hop, and it'll do a much better job at clearing clearing it. There. Now, oh. you can also yeah, go ahead. yeah. No, I was just going to say you can also you know as people. Don't wax the windshield, I'm going to tell you. Uh, It's short-lived, it doesn't work well, and all it does is end up attracting dirt. just not good. A lot of people, oh, I wax the windshield when I do the car. Don't do that. And don't clean your windshield with newspaper, newsprint, because the ink has grease. It it has, you know, some kind of oil in it, and uh, that's not good for your windshield. So don't use newspapers. But use Rain-X. Yeah, Rain-X works well. And, you know, the, oh, the, the standard Rain-X, um, you know, that you polish on until it gets to a haze and you keep polishing until it comes clear, you have to put that on when it's dry. The new They have new Rain-X that's in an aerosol can. You can spray it on and wipe it off even if it's raining and it will work. Um, now, if you have a windshield washer like Richard would have had in his 78 Buick, you can use uh, Rain-X Bug Windshield Washer Fluid. That's the best stuff ever. Um, over time, it oh, builds know. up the beading surface and gets all those bugs and bird crap off your windshield. Make you happy, huh? Yeah. Oh, I hate bird crap under my windshield. Hey. Oh, good. That's <laughs> good to know. Wow, so, so glass uh, expert. Huh. Well, there you, there you go. You, you can you can give me a hard time, but, I mean, when it comes down to glass and refraction, I got it covered, just in case you ever want to know. We I, might want to talk about that on the way to Bettendorf. Oh, yeah, that's an exciting topic, yeah, yeah. Don't make me fall asleep at the wheel. Are you kidding? What? <laughs> Don't forget to clean the inside of your windshield. So often, people don't clean the inside. And with your breath and everything, that's where you get a film buildup. So cleaning the inside of your windshield is just as important as the exterior. So keep that in mind. Don't be lazy, folks. Get in there and scrub away. Oh, absolutely. Particularly on later model cars, all that Continued, which it continues to go on outgassing, it's called, uh, you know, the vinyl materials and everything else that are in the car. Um, they do, they leave that film on the inside. One other thing, and, and we've covered this once before, but when you're cleaning your windshield, wipe them, wipe the outside in the opposite direction of the inside at 90 degree angles to one another you know when you're cleaning because when you look at the windshield you've always got those streaks that you can never figure whether it's on the inside or the outside and you got to keep getting out of the car, you get back into the car. It's really simple folks. Wipe and opposing directions because if it's up and down and you do it up and down on the exterior of the windshield and the streak runs up and down then you know you don't have to keep getting in and out you just go to the outside of the car and you get rid of your streak because you know it's on the outside and um, so that that's really a helpful simple simple tip somebody told me that a 100 years ago and it really really works wow i was going to say well guy from virginia you're pretty smart that's pretty cool I bet the guy who told you that had to be from New York. Right? Yeah, he was from Brooklyn. He grew up on the stoop. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Um and we're gonna talk some about uh getting hammer grease and hammers. Let us oh, do hammers. Oh, yeah. talk, oh, you, you, you not getting hammered, but, but hammers. I got a draw full of hammers. I just love hammers. I really do. I got all kinds. I got regular steel hammers, uh, nail hammers, roofing hammers, brass, uh, brass knockoff, uh, lead hammers. You can put a knockoff wheels on, on you know, wire wheels. Uh, I got some, you know, two and three pound mallets. I got some uh, short. Hammers, with, you know, it's only like an eight inch uh, handle. And then he got some long ones with some longer handles. But my favorite are these orange plastic hammers or mallets, whatever you call them. And the dead on, the, blow on one side, dead blow hammers. Yes, thank you. And one side has a brass uh, head on it. And I use that thing all the time. And I just found the other day, I was in a store. And they have a very small one, a thin one, where you could get into tight places, you know, so you don't scuff the surrounding area. So I bought that. That was only like, you know, 8 bucks, And it's like, that's like my new favorite hammer. Sometimes you don't need a two three-pound hammer. You just need something to tap something in ever so lightly. So, uh, and then, of course, I got the hammers for my auto body. You know, you have flat face hammers and you have picking hammers and, you know. There's just so many out there, and you do need a variety of hammers. You really do, because you just never know uh, the situation in that you got to hammer in a fastener or a part without scuffing it or ruining it or defacing it. So, uh, yeah, variety of hammers is very important, folks. You know, do you have a favorite uh, besides a sledgehammer? Yeah, I, 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 yeah, yeah, I, I do actually uh, an eight ounce short-handled ball peen. Most of the time... Oh, I got Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. yeah that that one. Short, the short-handled 8-ounce ball peen. I, I use the heck out of that just simply because, one, you know, if you get exasperated out there in the garage and you get ticked off, you're not going to destroy anything with an 8-ounce. But, <laughs> but the other part of it is typically you really don't need a lot more um than an eight ounce and now you know because you don't want to attack it you don't want to be too hard hard with it you know the you people i have a lot of friends i watch them and they pick the hammer up they've got their hand all the way down near the end of the handle and they swing it bam that's not really the best way to do it you want to you know, make sure that the face of the hammer is parallel to whatever it is you're smacking. But you want to kind of have it choked up a little bit and in sort of a bouncing blow rather than you know swinging it like John Henry, like you're driving in railroad spikes, huh? <laughs> True. You know my my favorite hammer of all time, which I've owned now for over 20 years, is. A general purpose, you know, hammer, hammering, nail, things like that, is by the company S-Wing, E-S-T-W-I-N-G. It's like perfectly balanced hammer. You know, like I said, I bought it over 20, 25 years ago. I must have paid about $25 at the time, which was a lot. And uh, what a perfect hammer. You know, balance is very important for you to hit your target. <laughs> Put it that way. So, uh, yeah, it's something as simple as a hammer. Is very important, just like screwdrivers. You know, my my favorite screwdrivers are the not with round handles, but the ones with triangular handles because you could grip it better and you get more torque when you're twisting it. So uh, you look at the you got to look at the tool design before you purchase anything to make sure that you know it was well designed to do its intended purpose. You're uh, absolutely right about that, particularly. When you're talking about quality hammers, you see these Chinese ball peen hammers, you know, they're really shiny, painted shiny black. The wooden handle is just really, really super shiny. And when you go and you swing one of those hammers, it just doesn't feel good. First of all, as you say it doesn't feel balanced second of all the handle is not designed to absorb any shock whatsoever so you know when you hit something it actually hurts like heck sometimes in your hand so you know quality is important there's a a huge difference it's sort of like the difference between buying a cheap pair of shoes and a a moderately priced or or higher end shoe that's more comfortable and designed rather than just to be practical designed to be comfortable and that same thing can be said for hammers you know yeah you can buy a hammer you know and it'll still smack something but you know if you buy the right hammer and buy a quality hammer it's going to be more comfortable in your hand it's going to get the job done better and the other part of it is if it's properly hardened it's not going to chip off and little bits and brushes can't chip off and get in your eye, create a problem, that sort of thing. Um, I have a, a brass and, and a bronze hammer. The bronze is a little softer than the brass. But one rule of thumb to use, you know, particularly when you're working on, on automotive applications, you, you want to try at least to start with the least amount of force always want to start with the least amount of force. That way you're not going to, you know, mushroom something or damage something. Start with the least amount of force. And we're coming up on a break.
1: When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega dollar collector cars you can't afford or endless reporting on auctions and how to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you, Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription. Four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com.
3: Since the 1960s, J.C. Taylor has been America's premier specialty insurance provider for classic cars, antique autos, modified, and custom vehicles. Our customers have trusted us to protect their prized possessions for more than six decades. For more information, or to receive a quote, contact our expert team today by calling 888-ANTIQUE, or by visiting our website at jctaylor.com slash awr, that's 888-268-4783, or visit jctaylor.com slash awr. Drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor. You're listening to America's Web
0: Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And now, back to the classic car show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello.
2: So, we're getting hammered. That's what we're doing. Um, (laughs) Rubber mallet. I love love a... Soft face rubber mallet as well, and they're yeah. great. Of course, you can get a special hubcap tool, you know, that has the little uh, claw on the end and has a little rubber bumper piece on there too. But if you don't have that, you know, uh, I tend to try to, to take my caps off. I want something with a lot of surface area. So, right from the cheap Chinese tool store, you can get these plastic. Uh, pry bars, trim tools they're called, that are about eh, eight inches long, but you've got some yep. of them that are, you know, varying lengths. They're great for removing your hubcap. Um, right. because, and you want to use the widest one you possibly can, more surface area, less opportunity to mar something or create a problem with it. But what do you do when you're putting it back on? Um, I use a rubber, rubber mallet, um, to get mine back on. I hold my palm in the center of the cap, center it on there so that it's fairly evenly placed all the way around, and then I use my rubber mallet to, to seat it into place. So don't use a ball peen. And As, that's where those those cheap Chinese tools come in handy sometimes. You know, it's a rubber mallet. If, if it lasts you two, three years, that's about all you get out of it, that's fine. You're just throwing them away. Right, exactly. Uh, sometimes those are okay. <laughs> and the, my plastic, uh, hard plastic, well, not super hard plastic. It's sort of a malleable plastic. Dead blow hammer. It's about 16 or 24 ounces. I can't remember. Um, but I love the dead blow hammer that's got the shot in the head um, because they don't bounce back on you. And they're plastic, so they don't mar the surfaces and they don't tend to create a lot of hate and discontent um, under the hood. You're not going to put dents in, you're not going to scratch things. You know, if you do slip off, you, it's not going to be the end of the world if you, you know, accidentally don't hit your target. But uh, they work real well and they don't bounce back. If you're smacking a wrench, for instance, with a ball peen, it's going to bounce. If you use a dead blow, it just boom. It hits and it doesn't bounce back. It doesn't send the wrench right. flying or any of those things. So um, yeah, dead blow hammer is a great thing to have. Um, I wouldn't have a. I wouldn't work on my car without a dead blow uh, handy. We we're talking about getting. You know, if you're working on your car, you're going to invariably get grease on something, on your clothes, and typically. What I do is I go out to work on the car or I'm walking by the car and I'll look at something and go, you know, I forgot to do such and such. And I've just come in from the office and so I've got a, you know, decent button down, long sleeve shirt on most of the time. And I'm like, "Eh, well, this is only going to take a second. I'm going to be really careful and I'm not going to get any grease or any oil or any crud or anything on because I'm going to be careful what I'm doing. It's just going to take me a minute to... To fix this, invariably, famous last words I get in there, I start working on whatever it is, and the very first thing I do is like stick the cuff in a hunk of grease somewhere. So, how are you going to get that out so that you don't have to replace your favorite shirt, Rich? Wow. Well, (laughs) there's a variety of things. You know, one of the absolute best cleaners slash grease removers is this stuff you get in the dollar store called LA Awesome. It really yes. works great, but, right? Isn't it great? Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> amazing stuff. And it's really cheap. It's like one or two bucks. And it won't even, you know, kill the paint or, or anything. But yeah, LA Awesome is just a great cleaner. But when it comes to being a, you know, a, a top shelf quality grease remover, uh, my favorite has always been Dupont PrepSol. You know, uh, right before you paint the car, you you do a final clean on the panels with uh, uh, the PrepSol on a clean rag, and that just takes everything, every spot of grease. Because you know, every time you you know you have grease on on your fingertips, and uh, that gets into the metal, and then you know it can lift the paint later on. So you got to use you know a, a degreaser. And I find PrepSol, uh, it's not caustic at all. It, it doesn't burn your skin, and it just works. And I use that when I'm cleaning parts, cleaning inside the hubs to take out the old grease. I don't want any film in there before I put new grease and new bearings. And to me, PrepSol is the absolute best. You know, PPG, uh, they have their own version of a degreaser, and uh, they're all comparable. They're all good. I just always favorite Prepsol, and, uh, yeah, good stuff. It's a little expensive. I think it's about $30 a gallon, but it's worth it. I was about to say, I can't believe you're using Prepsol for general de purposes. As cheap as you are, using that expensive product, you know? Well, um, I'm a quality. Now, what I use, I want a, a good result you know yeah when you're painting of course for sure um so one of the things that uh, that I use and I'm going back to the laundry side of it all you know go, you use Dawn Dawn go, Gojo well Dawn works well Gojo it does Gojo Gojo based works great it works well on your hands it'll work well in the laundry too um some people swear... Some people... Yeah. Dojo works really well at getting out, <clears throat> excuse me, grease and oil stands. Um, I give you it just rub of it in. Yeah. You just, uh, it works well uh, on your hands. It works well in the laundry as well. And one thing I would tell you, be sure you've gotten the stain out before you put it in the dryer. Because once you put that... In, in the dryer, it's going to set that stain, and it's going to be really, really tough to get it out. Right. But, uh, no, the Gojo works really well, and some people use, and I know everybody uses it for everything. Some people use WD-40, and um, I've done it once. I used it on a, on a shirt that I got some grease on. So that's all I had handy. And you know what? It worked fine. Um, But all the heavier stains, yeah, it worked fine. A little WD-40 saturated. And uh, what I do try to test it, if it's something I want to save and don't want, you know, like I said, if it's a shirt I wore home from the office, I'll hand hand wash it to make sure I'm getting the stain out. Um, And in that case, I used the WD-40. And I sort of rubbed it back and forth and then rinsed it. It came right out. Uh, there's a lot of craziness, though, out there. People use hairspray, uh, baby powder, all sorts of stuff. Um, salt to pull grease stains out of clothing, but I, I, I'll stand by my Gojo. I think it works the best of anything. Um, hydrogen peroxide will work really well, too, if you, if you have uh, something that's persistent or an older stain, Overgrease stain yeah. and oil stain. Use some hydrogen peroxide on it. Wow! It bubbles up. Wow, We're that was a the fast out. Yeah, you yeah. know, there's, there's all kind of old things that you could use to remove stains, but uh, the best way is don't wear good clothes when you're working on your cars. You know, I have a pile of crappy clothes and old T-shirt that I use. And I still get grease on my good clothes. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, know I know. Happens. Me too. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> so we're looking forward to anyway. seeing everybody in all um, in Bettendorf. And oh, by the way, really quick, it's not too early, folks, to be thinking about Hershey. The Hershey region is going to be cutting off registrations. You know, soon. Go to Hershey. Show yep. a car. It's not that difficult folks it'll be the most rewarding experience you'll have this year. show a car at Hershey. I'll be there. All right folks listen get into the garage get off the couch and uh, remember cheap tools are bad unless it's a cheap car you know, are good and cheap cars are good. we love cheap cars. The whole thing's about the she journey is- not what you're in. That's exactly it. We'll see you soon. Take care, everybody. Okay, have a great weekend, folks.
0: Bye. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.